It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On today's Locked On Thunder podcast, why the Oklahoma City Thunder are going to dominate the new in-season tournament. Your mailbag questions, including what's the best closing lineup for Oklahoma City? We'll talk about that coming up on today's Locked On Thunder podcast. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, media member, and editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LOTHUNDERPOD. Email the show, LOTHUNDERPOD at gmail.com. On today's show, we're talking about the NBA in-season tournament, why the Thunder are poised to dominate this new in-season tournament. Plus, we're answering your mailbag questions, everything ranging from possible big trades to the expansion draft and closing lineups. A lot to get to today. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. You every day or so listen every single day. Appreciate you. You can also text the show if you want to on subtext 405-963-3686. Folks, the Thunder could dominate this new in-season tournament. This new in-season tournament will have all 30 teams involved. The top team from each pool will advance to the tournament section as well as two wildcard teams. Then those final four for the you know qualifying, you know, after, after the uh, you know, kind of semifinals, qualifier, finals, whatever, uh, the final four teams will be in Vegas at a neutral site uh, playing for the new NBA Cup. And these games count as both regular season games and NBA in-season tournament games. So nothing really changes. If you wanted to ignore the games as a whole and ignore what they mean for the NBA in-season tournament implications, you can absolutely do that. All the way through this tournament until the championship game, nothing changes. In the championship, those two teams will have an extra game. That'll be it. That'll just be for the NBA Cup. And these games will take place every Tuesday and Friday in November. And they're going to count as regular season games as well as tournament games. So nothing changes, but it just adds more stakes to these early games. And I don't think it's a surprise that the NBA picked Tuesday and Friday where there's no NFL games. There's no football games in general. I would be shocked and I would, I would look forward to, and and I am anticipating the schedule release because the NBA is pushing this very hard. They are making this try to feel like a big deal. You know, they're having these release shows and everything. 
And they want this first season to go really well. And it's something that they can more so control. Like the the first year of the NBA playing tournament, they, they couldn't really control. They got lucky. You know, you had LeBron, you had Steph, you, you had these, you've ended up having some really good players and, and, and high name players in the play-in, but they couldn't control that outcome. They have more control over, over how this feels. And so what I mean by that is I'm interested to see if whenever the schedule gets released in August, I would imagine there's going to be very, very, very few Monday games, very, very, very few Thursday games, because you don't want this to be the second night of a back-to-back. You want to avoid load management as much as you can. You want this to feel like an event. You want this to feel like, for casual fans, every Tuesday and Friday, you know you can sit in front of the television, you can watch NBA basketball, and you're going to see the stars. You're not going to have to worry about who's playing, who's out, who's resting, whatever. And so I think that the NBA will make teams and, and will set up their schedules as though they can make this an event and a draw in a, in a situation where for one month, you know, excluding election day, they're not going to play on election day, but for one month, let's just, you know, go all out, play everyone. And, and, and by doing that, you eliminate back to backs on Mondays and on Thursdays. So how does that change kind of the normal schedule the normal rhythm of things? We'll see. And maybe they don't, maybe they, maybe they just keep it flowing the same way it always has, but I'd be very shocked by that. And so I think that this play in tournament will be what fans and the teams make it. And fans have this weird obsession with like calling everything terrible. I don't see a way where these, you know, this in-season tournament is terrible. You can, you can choose to ignore it and just watch it as status quo, or you can embrace it and have a fun little wrinkle to otherwise sluggish games in that part of the season. The majority of very casual NBA fans always say that the season doesn't start until Christmas. This gives you something to hang your hat on before that day. And so why the Thunder are poised to dominate this, this grouping? The Thunder are in the West Group C. They'll be accompanied by the San Antonio Spurs, the Minnesota Timberwolves, the Golden State Warriors, and the Sacramento Kings. So we don't know what dates these games will be played on or who will broadcast them, but we do know which will be at home and which will be on the road. So in November, clear your calendar because you want to make sure you're flexible and can get to the Thunders to in-season tournament games at home because they play the San Antonio Spurs and the Golden State Warriors. And is this broke so well for OKC because you're going to ensure a matchup with these two teams early in the season and not later on where things can get kind of dicey and, and maybe guys are hurt or resting or whatever. In November, people should be primed, healthy, ready to go. And I would imagine that that San Antonio game will look a lot like how the NBA scheduled the, you know, what was should have been the Paolo versus Chet game last year. If you remember when the initial schedule came out, Chet was healthy and they scheduled Thunder Magic for uh, November 1st on TNT. I would imagine that San Antonio Spurs game will be a primetime game on national television pretty early on in this kind of um, stage. And that'll be at Paycom Center. And that'll be really fun to be at. And I would imagine that they're not going to schedule Thunder Spurs in October because they want, again, to highlight this game as a tournament game and, um, and as a, uh, you know, kind of marquee event. So this is going to be fun. And so you would imagine that your first matchup with Chet versus Wimby will be in your backyard instead of in San Antonio, which is also a great wrinkle for fans. The road games, Minnesota and Sacramento, 
you know, you, you could have had worse, right? And, and I think that people kind of were like, well, that, those two those are two tough places to play. You'd say the same thing about Golden State, and you say the same thing about you know the new Wimby experience in, in San Antonio. All in all, I think that this this pod was a really good draw for OKC. The reason that the Thunder, you know, are poised to be really good and dominate this tournament is not anything to do with like their their pod, which I think is still good for them, but it's more so just the Thunder are a young team. They're a team that will take the regular season, even without this extra incentive, very seriously. They're a team that has a lot of depth. Like the reason why people care about these roster decisions is that there is talent top to bottom and that, and that someone really good, you know, or, or, or talented players are going to be, you know, let go at the end of training camp. And so that depth is, is going to be there for the Thunder, especially early on in this season. And furthermore, I think that beyond those two points, the Thunder have a team that I think will believe this is a cool thing. They're going to embrace the opportunity to be the first team to win the cup. They're going to embrace the social media and the, and the big platform that it's going to have. Like the NBA is going to push this event. I promise you across their social media, uh, you know, they're going to celebrate the players who do push this event. Like they're going to, uh, you know, make this feel big. And I think that this team will embrace that. And like, you have all these guys who do care about that spotlight and want that spotlight and rise to the occasion in that spotlight. Like when the Thunder got to play on national television last year, they played really well, even against LeBron, even against LeBron as he breaks the all-time scoring record, they won that game. <laughs> like this team, I think really cares about this kind of stuff. And you can't promise me that the majority of teams will one care about this specific tournament, but also two care about the regular season in general. So that's already going to give you an edge up. Plus the Thunder are just good and the Thunder are just young to where they're going to be, they're going to be more so like chomping at the bit to get out there and to play and to, and, and to play meaningful basketball. Whereas veteran related teams, they kind of understand the drill, right? They kind of understand like, Hey, this is a marathon, not a sprint. You know, we're, we can ease into this. It doesn't really matter right now. I don't think that the Thunder have any of that. It doesn't really matter right now in them. And so I think that that's why the Thunder could be, one of the first ever final four teams that head to Vegas and play a neutral site uh, regular season game and to uh, be out there and uh, hopefully win the first ever NBA cup. That'd be pretty cool. And uh, again, I think that it's going to be what the, what the fans and the teams make it because we can't sit here and blame the fans and say like, well, these players just joined super teams because of ring culture and the, and the culture that the fans have created of like loving the fact that this player has rings and this player doesn't, they can't, they can't sift through who's actually the better player. Okay, if fans then band together and say, hey, we love the NBA Cup and, and, and we think it's valuable to, to go on a, a stretch like this in a, in a more condensed environment, a healthier environment, uh, and, and kind of a environment that gives every 30, all 30 teams a shot to win it and a, a one-and-done type of thing versus a series. If, if fans start to enjoy it and start to root and, and start to care about who wins, guess what? The players will too. We've seen it. We've seen it. We've seen it. So uh, we can't in one breath say that um, you know the fans are the cause for – ring culture and then another breath to say that, that there's no way that this will ever mean anything and no way that this will ever matter sure right now on the surface it's weird because we've never experienced it before but you know as it grows and as it becomes something a, literally a thing here in november i think that it'll change rather, rather rather quickly people were also against the play-in you know, idea and the play-in tournament and thought that that was stupid but guess what it saved it saved a season and allowed Steph Curry and LeBron James to play playoff basketball one year where we otherwise wouldn't have a playoff game from them, a postseason game from them. 
So I, I think that it was it was great uh, for OKC and, and and for the NBA in general. This is going to be a lot of fun. This is going to be a lot of fun to watch it all break down and the Thunder have a leg up because of those things we mentioned. Now let's get to your mailbag questions. But I also want to tell you right now about good friends over at BetterHelp. Folks, BetterHelp is there for you because we know, and I'm guilty of it too, you can get so stressed out and you and you can get so spread thin by yourself of just like the, the, the demands you put on yourself to be there for others and to, and to fill in for what other people need from you. And you oftentimes forget, at least I do, of like what you need from yourself and, and, and what you need to do for yourself. And so that talking through this and, and getting the help to be there for yourself makes you a better version of yourself. And that's where therapy can really help you along with all the other great benefits of therapy. You can go to BetterHelp. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash LockedOnNBA and get 10% off your first month. And what BetterHelp is, it is therapy, but it's entirely remote. And so, you know, it works around your schedule. You fill out this questionnaire and they match you with a therapist. But guess what? You know, hopefully you click right away. But if you don't, you can switch and shuffle through to a new therapist. No problem. No questions asked and for free until you get the right one for you. Because not only do they want to work around your schedule, they want to work around your personality to find you the best fit for you, to get you the help that you need and to make you a better, you know, a better version of yourself and, and, and get better help uh, with betterhelp.com slash LockedInMBA. It's betterhelp.com slash LockedInMBA. So trust me, you know, if you've been putting it off because, well, I'm just too busy. Like I'm just too busy. I, I can't, I can't make an appointment and then follow up with it and, and go there. Like if, if you're in that boat and you want to, and you want to try out therapy, but you just say, I'm too busy. There's no excuses here. They work around your schedule. It's totally remote. So check it out today. Betterhelp.com slash locked in MBA and become a better you. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. 93% of employers agree. Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. According to a recent indeed survey and listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs, more visibility at indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast, indeed.com slash podcast terms and conditions apply need to hire. You need indeed. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you, talking Thunder basketball for your next listen. Please check out the Lockdown NBA Podcast for the national perspective on all of basketball. And so thank you all for making us your first listen and you everydayers to listen every single day. Let's talk with your mailbag questions. First one from D Thorne. How do you see Kaysen Wallace's future offensively? Kaysen, Kassan, don't call me Carson Wallace. The pronunciation guide officially says Kaysen, by the way. So I'm going to try my best to stay with Kaysen. I more comfortably say Kassan, but I'm going to try my best to say Kaysen from now on, just because that's what the official Thunder PR pronunciation guide says. So Kaysen Wallace, tell me about him offensively. Well, I, I think that he's going to be a very fluid offensive player. And you're already seeing that a bit in summer league, um, but he's going to be able to play with the ball in his hands. He's going to be able to play without the ball in his hands because he brings that shooting and he brings playmaking. He feels very comfortable and in control of his own game and of his decision-making that I think you're going to get a very self-aware player and also an aware player of his surroundings and of his opponents, but also of his teammates. How does this guy like the ball? How does Where does this guy like to be? You know, when does this guy cut? Like, where, where does this guy like to play? 
like understanding and getting that chemistry with teammates, I think teammates, I think is going to be um, and do wonders for Casey Wallace's game. And I think that overall offensively, he's going to be awesome for the thunder. He's not going to be some superstar. I don't think offensively. I don't even think that he'll be like some all-star solely because of his offense. I think that offensively, he's just going to be in the right position in the right spots, doing the right things at the right time and be a, a, a mistake limiting player. He's going to limit his own mistakes. He's going to cover up yours. You can even see that whenever he's soaring in for offensive rebounds and, and, and giving you another shot at life and of that possession. And so I'd say that, you know, the fluidity, the awareness, the shooting and the playmaking are, are, are the things that stand out the most to him offensively. We saw him light it up against Dallas from beyond the arc, and all of those, most of those were on catch-and-shoot opportunities. I'm excited about his future, uh, and I think that, that he's the type of guy that you need. Like, with, on top of the incredible defense, but you've asked about its offense. Offensively, you need guys that can do both. Guys that are, that are not only, you know, kind of um, versatile, but versatile not just for the sake of being versatile i think sometimes in this roster you can you can get caught up in like hey this guy's versatile yeah he's versatile for the sake of being he can he can do both like he shouldn't be doing both for for case wallace he can play make he can play off ball and he should be doing both like, like he, he should be in a spot to do both so i think that that's kind of the best synopsis i can give you on case wallace's offense uh, at okc please win do you think that Dub can play the four alongside chet I've been seeing this discourse about J-Dub and can he play the four? Can he not play the four? He played the power forward position all last year. Like the entire year last year, he played power forward. He matched up with LeBron and defended LeBron. He matched up with like all these superstars and also, and as a rookie held his own and played uh passable defense, which is what most rookies, even the ones that are, that are supposed to be incredible defenders do not get to that, that, that level, especially playing starting minutes, especially playing um, against and matchups with top guys in the league. He did that as a rookie. He has the length. He has the size. He's bulked up. Like he can absolutely play the four. And you can make the argument that he complements the, the, the four position alongside Chet better than anyone you can go get. Like we, we are so as a Thunder community tied up in finding Chet's perfect partner. And the perfect partner might be right next to you in Jalen Williams. And so, and so I think that the Thunder see that and they want to see what that looks like for a whole season. And then if you need to pivot or whatever, for whatever reason, then you do that. But yes, I think that Jadon can absolutely play the four next to Chad Holmgren because he can, he has that length to defend bigger guys, uh, the size to defend bigger, bigger guys. He can shoot the three ball. He can cut and he can play well offensively on and off the ball as we saw last year. Like everything he did last year, if you took his name off of it, and you took his expectations off of it. You took his draft position off of it. You just did a blind resume test. And I said, you know, John Doe did the following things as a rookie. Can he play the four? You'd say absolutely yes. You would say absolutely yes. The beautiful thing about JW is you can look at that resume and say, can he play the one? And you say, yeah, he can be absolutely be a, a help at the one, two, three, four. Like he... You can just do everything. And that's the whole idea. That's the whole goal here in Oklahoma City. 
Uh, Sean, thank you for the kind words uh, about listening every single day and everything. I appreciate that. That's how this thing keeps on rolling. So I appreciate that. But um, expansion draft, that's your question. Protect eight players. This is going to be tough. This is what, this is going to be the reality here in a couple of years. Like the NBA is going to expand after they get their next set of media rights. And then from there, they're going to, you know, of course, need buyers and then they're going to need you know, the uh, erection of an arena and everything else. But let's talk about what the current roster is and protecting eight players. So there's a few just obvious locks, right? Shea, Giddy, J-Dub, Chet, obvious locks. You're, you're going to protect the top 10 pick in Case and Wallace. Absolutely. You're going to protect the you know the, one of the best defenders in the league, Lou Dort who was on a contract that for some reason people thought was sizable a year ago. It's really not. Like if you look at, as we projected here on this podcast and everywhere else, like everywhere else projected this, Hey, the cap's going up. This is contract's going to look really good next year. Lo and behold, it looks really good. And so you would not just let that go, right? You'd protect that. And even if you want to pivot and move off of him as a sweetener to a trade, you'd still want to have that asset of what Lou Dort brings on the court and also what he brings in trade discussions and everything else. So like you protect Lou Dort, so that's six already of the eight. And the remaining candidates to me are Jay Will, Kenneth Williams, and Usman Jang. Kind of, you know, I got to use the same logic I did with Kaysen about Usman Jang, who's having, you know, who's, who's looking really good in some of the leagues like this is helping my case, but you're not going to throw away a lottery pick. You're not going to throw away a lottery pick that you traded three first round picks for. And you're not going to throw a lottery pick away that you traded three first round picks for is a lottery pick. And as a guy you've scouted since he was 16 years old and a guy you truly believe in, you're not going to do that. Like optics wise, business wise, you're not going to do that. So that's seven names already of, of guys that the Thunder are going to protect. From there, you either go Jalen Williams of, of Arkansas or Kendrick Williams. And these are two of my favorite players on the team. So that's really tough. But um, I would I would say that you protect Kenrich Williams. And I would – Kenrich Williams, I think, gives you the versatility and, and more of, like, the stuff that you like and want to see. But it's hard to not go with Jay Will. Like, it's just – this is a brutal decision – to make here, but I, I'll say Kenneth Williams, but I really want to say Jay will. Uh, so who knows? Let me know what the eight are for you that you would protect. I just think that Kenneth Williams gives you more versatility than what Jay will does, but I really like them both. Obviously I'm glad that they're both on the thunder, uh, but let me know. I want everyone to comment down below, comment down below. What, what are the eight players you would protect in an expansion draft? If the draft was tomorrow, luckily the drafts, not tomorrow at all things underscore hoops. Over under one and a half check blocks per game. I'm taking the over. I am I am hammering the over if the line is one and a half. Chet Holmgren is a generational shot blocker. And I, I don't know this about betting circles. So someone enlighten me in the comments. If hypothetically they set the line at like you know one and a half, and I took the over, and Chet averaged one point eight. That, that's over, right? Or do, or do they literally mean he has to go to two? If it's like, if it's, especially if it's like, if he averages like 1.8 per game, I get the over. I'm absolutely hammering the over. Uh, and so uh, I'll go over. I'll go over on Chet Holmgren blocks. He's, he's a generational shot blocker. The, the anticipation, the timing of, of the way that he blocks shots is just fantastic. It's just fantastic what he does at the rim. 
So I, I think that that is a very easy decision to make. Coming up, I want to tell you about a possible trade. Should the Thunder look into a guy like Jared Allen? We'll talk about that coming up. But first, I want to tell you about our good friends over at Bird Dogs. BirdDogs.com slash LockedOnNBA. Folks, BirdDogs.com slash NBA. That's the place to go right now to get the best shorts you're ever going to put on. The very, very, very best apparel you're going to put on. But I especially love their shorts. For me, these shorts are the thunder of shorts. Because they're versatile, you can wear them to a business meeting and look absolutely professional, fit right in and, 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 you know, kind of make waves with how good they look, but you still look put together. You can walk out of that business meeting and go straight to the gym and play pickup hoops because guess what? They're flexible. They give you a lot of room to maneuver and wiggle around and gyrate. And that's what you want. I don't know about you, but I want some shorts that I can gyrate in. And you can do that in bird dogs, folks. And what you do with that gyration is your business. But what you do in the bird dog shorts is also your business as long as you're wearing them because they're fantastic. You can also wear them out in the town, which ties back together with point two, if you know what I mean. And so wear them, love them, live them. And right now, if you go to birddogs.com slash LockedInMBA and enter the promo code LockedInMBA, you get a free Yeti style tumbler uh, right by doing that at birdhouse.com slash locked in NBA. And I tell you right now, the Yeti tumbler is fantastic. I drink my coffee in it every single morning and it keeps my coffee extraordinarily hot. So I don't know about you, but whenever I'm drinking coffee, I'm sitting here doing work, trying to get content out for you great people. I get caught up in, 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 in what the work I'm doing and I forget to drink the coffee. And so oftentimes without my Yeti tumbler, it would, it would become cold rather quickly. My Yeti tumbler, it is still hot right now as I'm recording this podcast late at night, and I brewed the cup of coffee at like 12 for my third cup of coffee, which I shouldn't be drinking three, but sue me. Anyway, birdox.com slash locked on NBA. Check it out today. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Folks, Apidor Savav, Suave, Suave. I'm, I probably messed that name up entirely. I'm sorry. Thoughts on trading for Jared Allen next to Chet Holmgren. I do not like this at all. I do not like this at all. I don't like Chet playing the four. We've got a taste of that in summer league. Um, theoretically, it sounds fun. as like just putting this incredible shop locker as this weak side roamer free safety type of role. In practice, you, you limit him and handcuff him a little bit because he's so good at defending the pick and roll as well. And you want him in, the, in that kind of middle of the action in the positioning in the paint to make something happen. And I especially do not like Jared Allen at the four. And I just, at that point, you know, you're you're kind of just an awkward, you know, fit together, plus the contract. And, and it's just a really tough sell to, to trade for anybody who has any sort of substantial or, or, or big contract to lock yourself into. Um, because, you know, I, I think that people get caught up in, can the Thunder pay everyone? Look, I mean, 
first of all, that's a question for many years on the line, you know, three, four, five, you know, two, three, four, five years on the line, because even, even, you know, extending Josh after this season, the extension will kick in for, you know, of course, the next season after that. But nonetheless, the thing is, you look at, you know, you look at Memphis, they've, they've extended John J and JJJ and, and um, this year, Desmond Bain, the Thunder are going to be able to keep guys. And sure, one might have to go, but like, I don't want to lock it in right now. That like, hey, we've, we've gotten this long-term money before we, we've gotten to cross that bridge with this young core. And so I just don't want to do that, especially for Jared Allen, who I don't think would really fit with Chet Holmgren and really fit with what the Thunder do. So I, I would not be involved in this. I would not like this. If, uh, if they did this, the pod the next day would be very questionable. Very questionable. Talking about trades, I got a lot of questions. Uh, Andrew Baxter, if this team is uh, good enough to, at the deadline and they're missing a piece, will Sam Presti pull the trigger? Yes. Sam Presti would make a trade to then trade. And that's part of why, uh, and what we discussed with the Tate Washington podcast. If you're wondering why the Thunder are acquiring all these second round picks, folks, they're going to dominate the trade deadline from now until the end of time, from now until the end of this core, they're going to dominate that deadline because look at how many of these deadline deals go for second round picks to get really good veterans. And, uh, and, and even in the process of like, you know, flipping out uh, George Hill and flipping out some of these guys that the Thunder have cycled in here, you know, since, you know, since the bubble, how many of those did you, did you trade for second round picks? Not Scala trade for second round pick. Like you, you can get guys, you can get guys that, that, that help you uh, win games for second round picks. And that's what they're going to do at the deadline. Uh, but I would not expect it to be a superstar type of trade. Uh, I, I just, I don't think that, you know, I think that they can go this entire quote unquote rebuild where the biggest tra trade that they make is not like for some superstar, but in fact, it's just for someone who's a really good rotational player, a really good bench player that just puts a bow on the roster versus puts a, you know, massive shiny object on the roster. At Adam McCracken, you're the other one that asked about the, uh, the trades. So there you go. I, I think that you could see where they would just, um, you know, just, just do a, a, a beautiful trade for a beautiful role player and not really for a star. Ben Glover, who are you rooting the hardest for to take a leap? Uh, you know, obviously, you, you know, personally, hope everyone does good, but, but I think that Usman Jang taking this question is like, what biggest leap would change the course of the Thunder season? If Usman Jang just all of a sudden carries over what he did in summer league to the regular season, which is not going to be apples to apples, which is not going to be a one-to-one, -one, which is not going to happen because it's just summer league, but go with me here. If I could just hand pick a player to, to take a leap and take a massive leap at that in terms of, in terms of like impact and everything, Usman Jang at his size, at his playmaking skills with his defense, him taking a leap would change the thunder a bit, you know, this season. So I'd say him, you know, in terms of like maximizing the thunder and maximizing uh, this season at MK three, two, five, four, nine, one. What is your death lineup closing out games when it comes playoff time? My favorite part about this thunder season is I can honestly say, I don't know. And I think that that's a good thing. I think that the thunder don't know. And I think that the thunder don't really want to know in the sense of like the thunder want to remain flexible and the thunder have built this roster where, where it can be matchup dependent. Like your starting lineup is going to be SGA, Josh, Giddy, Lou, Dort, J-Dub, Chet. That's your starting lineup, and that will be uh, probably your most successful lineup. But if you needed to, like let's just say you're in a situation where it's late in the game. You can still come back, though, but you need a huge offensive run. 
you can just load up on offense and just go like Shea, Joe, Mitchich, Dub, Chet. If you need to cling to a lead, you can go with Shea, Kaysen, Dort, Dub, Chet. Like that would be crazy. If you had to play bigger, you could play, you know, Shea, Giddy, Dub, you know, Chet, Kenrich. You could play, you could play Shea, Usman, Jada, Kenrich, Chet. You, you could just do so many things with this team and feel pretty good about it. Like feel pretty good about that lineup to where it can keep the opponents off balance and it can fit whatever whatever the situation throws at you. So if I had to guess, like the, the best lineup will be the starting lineup of like Shea, Giddy, Dub, Dort, Chet. I think that they're going to complement each other very well and play very well off of each other. Um, but the, the other wrinkles are very fun to, to monitor and to look forward to. At Shea Gorgeous 2, do you prefer Jerry to, or do you prefer Usman Garuba? I think that there's a better than not chance that both of them are gone by the season tip-off. And I think that there's a little bit of the W no versus W don't type of thing with the fan base of like being all out on JRE, but then all in on Usman Garupa. I still believe that JRE can be a really good rotational player and, and, and can make an NBA impact. I just don't know if it's going to be an OKC because of that $1.9 million price tag. And I do see the appeal to Usman Garupa of like, here's a guy that, that, we all knew it was a project, and for some reason, Houston drafted him and then didn't give him time and didn't give him a runway and didn't, um, you know, and he gave up on him too soon. And he does add a new dimension to OKC, and we've seen when you give Mark new dimensions, he can find ways to maximize them. So I get the appeal of Usman for sure. Um, but the, the bottom line is, I don't think that this will make or break anything for OKC this year. But I will say that of the two, of the two, it's... It's really tough. I, w- I would stick with Jerry personally, but but I, I really like the appeal of Usman Jang. And I, I'm, I'm sorry, I really like the appeal of Usman Garuba, um, mainly because I get to do that more, you know, mix up which Usman I'm talking about in the middle of a sentence. Uh, but I, I, I like the appeal of Garuba. I, I've written a lot about Garuba. I've, I've talked a lot about Garuba. I like him. I really do. But if you had to pick one of them to stay, if you had to pick one of them to stay, maybe you do pick Garuba because of the new dynamic he gives you. And so in the middle of the question, I'm going to flip my answer. I'd pick Usman Garuba. I'm sorry. At sauce underscore monster. Could you see Kaysen Wallace coming and taking Dort's spot in the next couple of years? Sure. In the next couple of years, you can absolutely take Dort's spot. But let's not harp on this all season. Can we agree on that? At least the Lockdown Thunder community, which I hope I'm making it easier, better, funner, more awesome, smarter to be a Thunder fan. Can we at least agree? LOT listeners, we're not going to make this a story every single game of like, oh, Kaysen should take Lou Dort's spot. This is a beautiful luxury and a, and a fantastic deal for OKC to have both of them on their roster. And as I said, draft night in the last few weeks, part of the appeal of drafting Kaysen Wallace is he gets to learn from Lou Dort. If you rush Lou Dort out the door, he's not getting to learn much from, from what is one of the best perimeter defenders in the NBA. The reason why I say sure in a couple of years is at some point to make trades, which is what they're going to have to do. Like they can't, you know, spoiler alert, they can't draft 35 guys. They're going to have to make a trade at some point. And we've seen trades typically take at least a sweetener. You can't, you can't just fully overwhelm teams with, with picks. Even the Clippers gave up Shea. And now hopefully your sweetener doesn't turn into be Shea. But if your sweetener can be, hey, we'll give you a lot of picks. From various sources to where, like, you know, maybe at the time, you know, the, the the Nuggets or Sixers or whoever's picks look a lot better than 
or even even better than they look right now. Plus Dort gives you a contract to trade for yourself, or if you just want to keep Blue Dort around, that's awesome too. If you're not in a full blown rebuild, like Dort could be expendable because of those things. This contract number makes it easy to match contracts. He provides value to other teams and you need a sweetener to make a trade go around, not just picks. But as of this moment in time, it is fantastic to see him working, mentoring, helping Jason Wallace. And Jason Wallace has already talked about being excited about you know, being on the court with him and sharing the court with him and learning from him. At Parker uh, Eves, out of the possible two-way guys, who has the best chance to get the Lindy Waters deal? So, Kathy Johnson already had a two-way deal. Uh, other possible names, you could see Caleb McConnell get one. You could see Lindy Waters back on a two-way deal. I think that that's pretty likely to happen. You could see Jared Butler. You could see KJ Williams. You can see other names happening as well. The thing about the Lindy Waters deal is the only name of these of all of these guys that we can think of that could be possible two-way deals would be the one already on a two-way deal is Kathy Johnson. That could get a, a Lindy deal. Because the Lindy deal, and, and we can call this the, the Eugenio Marui deal, who got one first, which made a lot of people mad for two days until Lindy got one. The thing is, that's more of like, you know, a thank you for your service type of situation. Whenever you have the luxury of, you got to spend the money, you know, you know, there's money to, there's money to blow, so to say, and there's a roster spot to blow. Well, the Thunder aren't necessarily going to have either of those things this year. So, like, I think that the, I think that there's a world where you where you want to convert Kanthe Johnson because um, he he can impact the game and he might end up playing his way by the middle portion of the season. He might be able to play his way into a role where uh, you want him to be playoff eligible. But other than Kanthe Johnson, there's just no one that you would cut someone on a standard contract for just to convert them for, in my opinion, based on what I think the roster will be as of this moment. So that's why I think that it would, it would not really be the Lindy deal. The Lindy deal, the Eugene deal, like like we've seen these deals before um, of guys that get converted and then, and then eventually just get cut or decline their option, whatever. It's just the perfect set of circumstances, and they're not there right now for the 2A guys, except for Kenneth Johnson, who, who invested a 50th overall pick into and has been playing extremely well so far. At Sublime 50, who is the Charlotte Hornets of NBA media in 2K? I would imagine that you just meant Thunder Media. So if you didn't, if you meant actual just all NBA media, hit me up on Twitter again. And I'll let you know. Um, and there's two there's two answers to this. Well, there's a lot of answers, but I'm, I'm going to break it down to you this way, two ways. So as you know, I'm the best media member for the Thunder in 2K. I, I'm the best player of 2K in all the media. I promise you. I promise you. I promise you. And I'm probably the best in the Thunder fan base. To be completely honest with you, in the whole Thunder community, I'm the best. But I'll at least say just media for now because I respect some of your games. The Charlotte Hornets, let's just say, let's use them as like the worst in the league, terrible, 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 which I think is what Sublime is meaning. The easy answers, there's three easy answers. I don't think Andrew can play 2K at all. I might, now, Andrew's the one I'm worried about because he does have children that would, I think, be in the range of playing 2K. So maybe he's dusted off the skills a little bit. But Brandon and Joe, I'm not worried about at all. Like I would... Dust Brandon and Joe. I, and I honestly dust Andrew. No offense to Andrew. I dust all three of those guys. Like, just, oh my gosh, it would be embarrassing. The one that I think would be the best answer to use, because I think that, they, you know, I know that they actually do play video games. Like, so like, it's unfair to just do the low hanging fruit of like Andrew, Brandon and Joe. The, the people I know that play video games that I would just obliterate in 2K, 
Derek Parker. Like Derek Parker, he would he would crush me in like non sport games, but but I it would not be fair to play Derek Parker in two K. And Nick Crane, Nick Crane's not the Charlotte Hornets, but he's also not the you know prime Golden State Warriors. Like Nick Crane, at best, I think would be at best we're talking Minnesota Timberwolves at best, but I would dust Derek Parker. And I just obliterate Andrew Brandon and Chow. And if anyone wants to challenge that, let me know. Let me know. But that was a great question. Great question. Uh, Summer League up next. Wizards today at 3.30 on NBA TV. Folks, let me tell you, uh, the Starbucks here in Oklahoma, in Latin America, is going to be blessed at about 1.30, 2 o'clock with a massive coffee order because the NBA decides to put the thunder on at 3.30. I got to power through the whole game and get all this content out. That's Come on. Now, past that game, they'll play an additional game on Sunday. Barnes, they don't make it into the playoffs, which, sorry, hand up. I haven't done the math on how they can make it into the dang summer league playoffs. I don't think that they're going to make it in the summer league playoffs. So, They'll play again on Sunday at some at some point in time. What that, what that means for you is recap podcast after the Wizards game is over with. Recap podcast on Monday after the Sunday game. Fantastic stuff. Plus, we're here for you every single day talking better basketball. What to expect in these games? I would not expect anyone to play and then be pleasantly surprised if anyone does. I think that there's three names that you would care about that has a chance to play. There's a chance that Jeremiah plays because, you know, he got hurt, didn't play in Salt Lake City, didn't play in the beginning of Vegas, and then played out of nowhere um, on Wednesday. Why even have him suit back up? He's going to be one and done. So I think that he'll play, I would imagine, because you could have just kept him sidelined the whole rest of the time. There's only a couple games left. I think that he'll play. And then, and then Keontae should probably play, just because he's a 50th overall pick, and like, you know, you're not going to truly nurture and, and you know, kind of coddle him, but like he's a draft pick, and he's on the to a deal already. So like, what does he have left to do here? Like he's already on his contract. Um, and car, and, you know, and case and case might play. Um, but I would say those three have the best chance to play, but probably no one plays of any significance. And then you should get extremely excited if they do. So enjoy the Jaden Shackelford and KJ Williams masterclass. We're going to recap it right here as we always do on lockdown thunder. And so next week we're going to discuss Recap of the last Summer League game. We're going to have our three biggest takeaways from Summer League, with which include our overreactions to Summer League. We're going to have your mailbag again next week for a weekly mailbag for the offseason. We're also going to have, as of now, after the draft, after the free agency dust has settled, and after Summer League, what is the best, worst, and most likely case scenario for the Thunder? We'd love to do that exercise here on Locked on Thunder. And much more for you out next week. So stay tuned for all of that. And until after this game, be good and be good to one another. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.